What is keeping you from starting your OT business? For me, it was a little bit of imposter syndrome and the idea that OTPs can only provide direct treatment. It took me over a year to overcome those fears to start my own business. Today, we're going to dive into the four reasons why you haven't started an OT business and how you can overcome them. Are you thinking about starting an occupational therapy business but don't even know where to begin? Whether you're starting something on the side or going full-time in your business, the OTpreneur podcast is what you need. This show will help you get in the right mindset and give you actionable tips to go from just an idea to OTpreneur. Let's go. Hey there, I'm Jason Davies, and with me is my fellow OTpreneur co-host, private practice owner extraordinaire, never thought she'd be an entrepreneur, Sarah Putt. I can't tell you how excited I am to be here and to be talking about entrepreneurship. Ooh, let's go. Absolutely. This is the first of many episodes to come where we are going to help you, the listener, with everything OTpreneurship. And if you haven't figured it out, OTpreneurship is occupational occupational therapy and entrepreneur all squished together. And we're just so happy to be here. We're so happy to have you joining us today, wherever in wherever you are in your OTpreneur journey, we're happy to have you. So we're gonna, just going to dive right into it. And today we're talking about those things that prevented Sarah and myself, and maybe also you from starting an OT business. And to do that, I'm going to go ahead and kick it over to Sarah to share with us one thing that prevented you, Sarah, from starting your OT business. I'm going to kick this off being real, real and like super transparent right now. The real reason I didn't start or maybe that it took me a long time to actually start my my own private practice is that I never considered myself an entrepreneur. I feel like I'm, you know, I'm a podcaster. I've listened to a, a million podcasts at this point, and I feel like every business podcast that I listen to, when they're they're interviewing the guests and they're talking about their stories, then they're the people that are like, "Oh yeah, I was slinging hacky sacks on the playground, and I was selling wallpaper, and I was mowing lawns, and I was doing all sorts of like random odd jobs when they were younger." And I like sit there and I'm like, "That's." not me. Like I I didn't do any of that. And I like just like rack my brain. I'm like I you know, I just never really considered myself to be an entrepreneur. It's not that I maybe didn't want to. It's just it was that whole mindset piece that really held me back because I had the schooling to be an occupational therapy practitioner and I now at that point when I started my practice or right before I started my practice, I had been practicing for about four to five years, I knew how to be an occupational therapist, but I didn't know how to be an entrepreneur at all. <laughs> I didn't know the first thing about it. It's funny that you mentioned the whole, you know, the people that are selling hacky sacks or doing whatever they can to, to make a buck in middle school. And it's funny because I've actually thought about myself, like I've tried to fit myself into that personality because now that I am an entrepreneur, I like try and look back on on my middle school career and think like, was I an entrepreneur this entire time? Like, but you're, I'm the same way. I wasn't. My dad was a small business owner. And so I did get to hear a little bit of that, but I definitely wasn't, you know, your entrepreneur back in middle school. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And I kind of want to ask you really quickly then, how did you potentially get over that? Like, when did you start to say to yourself, yeah, you know, maybe I am an entrepreneur? That took time. I, I think I still, even when I say it, I'm like, wait a second. Yeah, I am. I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. I'm definitely an entrepreneur, but I feel like it, it took some time and it took me really 
digging into my own mindset and noticing and realizing some of the things that were holding me back. And maybe to this day, I might still have some things that hold me back from starting new things or from doing things that I've never done before. And I really had to confront kind of these, I don't know, difficulties or maybe some uncomfortable things to face that head on and be like, no, you know what? I've done this. I've started a private practice. I am an entrepreneur, even though I'm never thought I'd be one, didn't didn't think that I am one. I am one now. I've done it. And it's really just like owning it and being like, yeah, I'm here. I'm going to take up space right now. Yeah, no, I totally understand. You talked about, you know, getting real, real, real right now. And I want to follow that up because has that fear gone away? Does it come back from time to time? Tell me Both. about that. <laughs> yes. Like, I mean, I feel like some of it kind of has gone away because there are certain things I'm like, yeah, you want me to do that? I'm familiar with it. I get it. But then there are some things that I get faced with within my kind of entrepreneurial role that I'm like, I've never done that before. Okay. I know that I can do it. It might just take me a little bit longer. I got to do some extra research or, you know, I, gotta, I just got I got to get in the weeds. I got to figure it out a little bit. So if it's something I've done, yeah, maybe that fear is not there. But if it's something new or something that I'm a little less familiar with, it can kind of pop back in. And I know that fear and talking about fear, I know that's kind of a, a big thing or maybe one of the big reasons that it kind of held you back. Is that right, Jason? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a different type of fear because... Like you said, you you never considered yourself an entrepreneur. And so putting yourself in that mindset was a little tricky. For me, I felt like I could be an entrepreneur, but I was so scared of other people not caring about what I have to say or not caring what I have to share a little bit. And so putting myself out there on a blog post or a podcast or even a Facebook group just to speak up and to share my knowledge I was scared that people would attack me and say, you're wrong, or even worse, I just don't care. You know, they like to say that if people are are hating on you, you're doing something right. But I was more scared of just people not caring, you know, no one listening to the podcast. So for me, that was really hard to overcome. And still today, you know, even this morning, I was struggling with that because I, we'll talk more about what we do in our own businesses later, but just really quickly, I host an annual conference every year for the past three years. And we had 375 people the first year, over 420 the next year. And, you know, this month we just launched or we opened up ticket sales for this year's conference. I've got 20 people signed up and I'm afraid that I won't get, I won't hit a hundred. Like, I mean, even though this is the third year of running this conference, that fear still creeps up that people won't care. They won't feel like what you have to say is valuable, but you know, at the end of the day, typically I'm wrong. And this year we'll probably have over 500 people attend. (laughs) And uh, that's what's so great about entrepreneurship and getting over your own fears. Um, Yeah. You have anything to add to that? it's it's more of a, a question or I don't know, a comment. Like, why? Why do we do that to ourselves? It's is it that imposter syndrome? Is it is it we just don't feel like we're good enough? Like I it's so interesting because you know you've you've put in the work, you you know you've done it before, but it still creeps back in. And it's like, why? Why is that? Yeah. I, man, that's the million dollar question. I think for me personally, it's that People change over time. Businesses change over time. And I am growing as a business. But as I grow as a business, as the OT Schoolhouse grows as a business, 
things change and we try new things. And even though I had so many people at the end of last year's conference say, this was great. It's one of the best conferences. I can't look forward to next year. I know everything that went into that. I know every little intricate piece that has to go right to make that happen. And to be able to do that again, uh, that's a little scary to be able to pull that off. And now in my business, I'm even starting to hire some people as contractors to come in. And so I'm handing over a lot of pieces to them and letting them take over some of the social media stuff and some of the, um, not email marketing yet, but some other parts of the business. And that is scary because you know it's not you. You're taking your hands out of the cookie jar, if you want to say, and, and letting them have a piece of it. So I think it's scary. I don't think fear ever goes away. Every time you do something new, there's fear, whether it's in entrepreneurship or if you're driving a new cool car that you've never driven before. There's always that little piece of fear. But by trying and saying, you know what, I'm going to do this. And if it just fails terribly, that's okay, because I tried. I think that's how we kind of get over that a little bit. And you're going to learn something along the way. Even if you quote unquote fail, which even if you failed, 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 you would still probably be better off than where you were before because you would have learned something, you approve upon it, you can reiterate, you can pivot, you could do something else, right? Like, I don't think failure is necessarily the end all be all, right? Like there, there's so much more that can be done with that. And I'm, I feel like we could probably even have a full episode just on failure and reframing it and our mindset around failure and all of that. Absolutely. And not only that, but also setting ourselves up that if we do fail, it's not the worst case scenario, yes. right? Mm-hmm. Like if you fail on a hundred thousand dollars or something that you put a hundred thousand dollars into, that's tough. But if you put in the work before you spend that $100,000 and you do everything, you know, before spending all the money, before putting all the energy into it, you know, testing the waters to see if people even want to buy from you before spending that money, then A, you're less likely to fail. And B, if you do fail, you can say, okay, well, at least I'm not $100,000 in debt now. I'm only, you know, maybe $5,000 that I spent on this project or, or even less. So, yeah, learning to fail in a productive way is something that's probably important that we could spend an entire episode on. <laughs> if not multiple episodes on. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we both had, in in some essence, failures or things that just didn't quite go as we thought they might have gone or as we hoped they might have gone. And, you know, and kind of in talking about just maybe like logistics and the how how businesses start and, and how you actually even like get set up. Can I tell you something? Go for it. That was that was the, the kind of the next big thing for me. So, A, I didn't consider myself an entrepreneur, never had, and B, I knew nothing about business. One more time, I knew nothing about business. Nothing. And that was terrifying because I was like, okay, you know, I, I have my my master's degree for OT. Now I'm going to have to go back and get an MBA. I'm going to have to read all these business books and I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to become a business person in order to start a business. Like in my mindset, in my, my frame, my ra- frame of reference that I had back then, that's what I thought I needed to become an OT entrepreneur. The myth of the MBA that'll make you this all-powerful, just entrepreneurial genius, right? So... Obviously, you didn't get your MBA, but you have gone so far. So for someone out there who's maybe thinking like, I don't know business, did you get over it and be and maybe one or two tips to help someone who's feeling like I don't know anything about business? There is so much like so many resources out there. And 
there there's kind of two ways or maybe a combination of both of these ways that you can go about it. If you have the time, you can dig into these resources, books, podcasts, websites, blogs, YouTube channels, our podcast, <laughs> uh, our courses, right? There's so much business related content out there. So dive in, take it all in. You might listen or read something and be like, oh, that doesn't suit me. But that doesn't mean like later on in the road, you might not be like, oh, I remember I was listening to this podcast and they were talking about X, Y, and Z. I need to go back and listen to that. It's kind of like I always kind of think of it as like, you know, you're sitting at the beach and you're just kind of watching the waves like roll in and, and roll out. So let that content, let those resources, let that information just kind of come on in. And what you need at that point is going to is gonna stick. And what you don't need at that point, you might need later on. So I think if you have the time, really just in, invest in those resources. And there might be times that you might need to pay other people that are professionals with those resources. For instance, maybe a lawyer, attorney, uh, maybe an accountant, some sort of like financial person. There are a number of different things that you can also invest in and, and pay people that know what they're doing as well. And you can do a combination of both of those. So I think for me, it's really utilizing what's already out there because there's there's a lot of resources, not so much in the OT space, though, which is, you know, one of the reasons that you and I are here today, Jason. You don't need to go back to school to get an MBA. You don't need to get all sorts of certifications. You don't need all these kind of crazy things in order to start. You need to have your passion and you need to know where the resources are and you just need to do it. And, you know, I kind of want to follow up with that before we get into our final point. And, you know, that is that, yes, there is so much knowledge out there about business. Weeding through all of that knowledge can be difficult. Weeding through all of that knowledge and you're trying to find stuff that's relevant to you as an OT business owner, that is even more difficult. I have spent so much time trying to take what I've learned from some of my unofficial mentors in business and trying to say, okay, how does that apply to my OT business? A lot of these people out there, they want to charge $1,000 for a course. And I'm over here saying an OT is never going to pay $1,000 <laughs> for a three-hour course or even a five-hour course. Like, So you have to kind of take that with a grain of salt when you're learning from all of those quote-unquote business gurus out there. And again, that's why you and I are here. You and me, we know OT, and we know the ethics behind OT. We know the community that is occupational therapy. We also know the the clients that benefit from our services, and we know what they need, want, and desire. And I think that's why this is going to be such a great podcast for anyone out there who's looking to start a business, because we're going to provide both the the business side, but from an OT mindset. So yeah, sorry, I got on a little excited. Uh, <laughs> no, I love it. <laughs> little just banter there. I love it. But um, let's go ahead and dive into our fourth and final reason for maybe why someone listening hasn't started a business. And this is a fun one. It's afraid. I, I don't want to use afraid because we've we've talked about fear a little bit, but the inability to see outside the traditional OT box. And what I mean by that is that 
when we think of an occupational therapy business, we typically think of a one-to-one client-centered business where a client comes to the occupational therapy clinic or they're at a school, they're at a hospital, and the OT is providing that one-to-one direct treatment or maybe even a small group. But there's so much more to that that you can get outside of that treatment box and do so much more. I mean, we've already talked a little bit about a conference that I provide and maybe courses, but even more than that, there's people that are um, providing accommodations in public parks and OTs can do that. So yeah, you know, just the the inability to get outside of the OT box was kind of my final reason why maybe someone hasn't started a business because it did hold me back for a little while. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I being that I started a private practice, I jumped into my entrepreneurship pool doing that one-on-one direct client care, right? Very traditional. And I think for me, if I was also thinking like outside the box when I first started, I would have been like, whoa, no, this is like way too much. It took me a while of like starting my private practice and becoming that entrepreneur, becoming that OTpreneur. And then being like, wait a second, there's more. There is more that can be done here. How else can I continue to support my clients? How else can I utilize my skill set? What else can I bring to the table? And I think that these are all kind of important concepts for anyone listening to think about. What is it that you want to be doing? What is it that you love? Like what gets you out of bed in the morning? What makes you excited about being an occupational therapy practitioner? And If it's that kind of direct, traditional client care model, great. And if it's not, great. If it's a blend of both of those, great. I think as OT practitioners, we have such a unique skill set for both our practice, but also within entrepreneurship. And that is why I am so passionate about supporting and, and helping people start their own OT businesses because we literally can change the world. 100%. I love it. So I was thinking about something the other day, and it's that OT practitioners are like the engineers of meaningful activities. And it's not just the meaningful activity of education, the meaningful activity of ADLs. Like We are the engineers of meaningful activities. And with that, you can start a business on any single person's activities that they love. And so if you just let that settle in and you get out of the fear uh, the the fear of not being an entrepreneur or the fear of people not caring or, you know, just not knowing about business. And you start to think, how can I be the engineer of someone's meaningful activity? The entrepreneurial world is your oyster. I mean, you can help people with just about anything that they care about as an occupational therapy practitioner even. So this is going to be a wonderful podcast. We're going to talk about all of this and we're going to wrap this up really quickly, but I'm going to throw it back to Sarah one more time to see if there's any other little tips or advice you want to share for that that person who wants to be an, an OTpreneur, as we're calling it, and uh, maybe they're they're a little scared. What might you you give them? The first step is just showing up. And the fact that you are listening to the words that Jason and I are sharing today, you've shown up. And now all you need to do is continue. That means you you have a passion. You're thinking about it. It's there, right? Unless you just randomly happen to throw on our podcast and you're like, wait, I'm not even thinking about a business. But I have a feeling if you click play, you're here. You're here for a reason. That's, that's your first step. And now let's expand on it. Let's grow. Let's build something together. 
because you can do it. And that is the perfect wrap up to our very, well, technically second episode of <laughs> the OTpreneur podcast. And, you know, Sarah just kind of talked a little bit about showing up. Like she said, you're here, you're already showing up. Be sure to show up for the next episode of the OTpreneur podcast, where we're going to talk about the first thing you need to do to start your OTpreneur journey. So catch us over at otpreneur.com and wherever you are on your OTpreneur journey, Sarah and I are here for you. So we'll see you next time on the OTpreneur podcast. Here at the OTpreneur podcast, we can't thank you enough for listening in today. If you're looking for a community of OT entrepreneurs, be sure to check out the website at otpreneur.com. At otpreneur, OT means business. We'll see you next time. That's going to wrap us up for today. We will see you all later, Sarah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, how do we close? Okay, what's... um... (laughs) Totally forgot what I said. Uh, I'm Jason Davies, host of the creator. It sounded like a cat. That was me, but he added to it.